to the Herd Global Media Podcast. I am your host on this guided meditative journey for your auditory receptacles. I apologize for the long hiatus, but maybe it's been so long that you don't even remember this was a thing in the first place. Anyway, I'm Christian Senrud, and today's podcast is Transworld Editor-in-Chief and all-around good dude Jamie Owens. I met Jamie when I first moved out to California 10 years ago to try to weasel my way into the industry, and he's always been the same straight-up, no-bullshit guy with very rarely a bad thing to say about anyone. And he's not really one to divulge too much about himself, just in casual conversation, so it was fun to be able to pick his brain, learn his story a little bit, and just hear his, his journey, his personal journey through this... Uh, Thing we call the skate life. We'll get to that here in a minute. Uh, just a couple things. That new Ashad part dropped for uh, Nike's YouTube. Uh, it's super good. He's one of the cases of people who's just always skating, and like you can tell he's a pro skateboarder just because he'd be skating like that no matter what. And really cool to watch and that that song was perfect too one thing i'll say is that i think like certain people are going to keep pushing the boundaries of what we can be like what we can capture in a video part but with all this like constant output i'm not sure it's going to happen as often we're not going to push the bar as often as it was happening in the heyday of skate physical skate videos now it's just becoming like a snapshot of whatever time frame that you were able to film before a deadline hit and it's like you got to promote whatever new product or online thing but um, if for, for established pros anyway, like AMs still have something to prove and a name to make for themselves. But And obviously there's going to be people like Nija that keep stepping up to the plate and doing gnarlier, gnarlier shit. But I don't know. Uh, in terms of like video parts and everybody really pushing it to the next level, it's definitely slowed down at the very least. And maybe I'm just getting old. That's probably just what it is. It's just starting all to blend together a little bit. I'm just running out of room in my own personal memory. But... I was just thinking about Purple, which was an awesome video. I watched it a couple times as soon as it came out. But trying to think of Louis Lopez's part now, I can only really remember that kickflip back Smith and that back nose blunt that he got the cover for. And whatever, it just means I need to watch it again, I guess. But it's just in terms of staying power, like I can still remember entire sequence of tricks through certain video parts growing up where like it matched up with the song and just, you know, the the weird background shit that you'd only notice from watching it over and over again. And I don't know that video parts really get that kind of recycle factors like they, they used to, but maybe I'm wrong. Uh, maybe I'm just uh, lazy. But the quasi video dropped too. That was super sick. I like that video too. Gilbert, Josh Wilson, and Dick Rizzo. Whew. So good. Leftover Jake footage was sick. Of course, would have liked more, but, you know, he's got a lot on his plate. Uh, my buddy pointed out the irony of them naming it Mother, then again having copyright issues. It was funny. It wasn't for the name. It was because uh, you can't copyright a title, but for a song this time around, not a from the denim company no one's heard of but that was kind of funny that it ended up on Pornhub that's the first skate video I've watched on Pornhub I have watched a music video on Pornhub but there was nudity maybe that's the new platform they're coming for you Thrasher I think they might eclipse you in views 
Yeah, we should probably start a trend watch for very defined cuffs on pants of a certain fit after that video as well, probably. Anyway, that's that's about it on my radar right now. Uh, I ruptured my Achilles, so I've been on uh, I've been laid up a while trying to get that healed up and trying to seek more gainful employment. So hopefully, I can buckle down and knock a few more of these podcasts out to get some momentum going, rather than taking a year off in between. I still got one coming with uh, Roger Bagley. I'm just editing that down because a lot got covered in a four hour conversation, and I don't know that I have the audience that'll sit through a Joe Rogan length podcast quite yet. So uh, I'm gonna pare that down a bit. And hopefully people will be stoked on that, getting to learn a little bit about the Nine Club co-host, where he's from and what he thinks about a, a slew of topics. And that's about it for now. Keep it rolling and hope you enjoy the podcast with Jamie Owens. Uh, 1986 Ronnie Mullen was on the cover and it was him freestyling and half of it was black and said special no themed issue I didn't know there was skate magazines at that time I used to be in the BMX and skateboard and I would get a freestyling magazine and I would look in freestyling and in the back they would have skateboard ads so that's the only way I saw skateboard photos was in the back of BMX magazines so I didn't know they existed, but I pull, I would pull out the skate ads and put them on the wall. And then my sister brought home Randall and said, hey, I saw this at the grocery store. I thought you might like it. That was like fucking 200 pages of Super Sale. Holy God. And when I started working at Transworld, I went and got a mint condition version of it. I was like, oh, there it is. I'm going to take this. This is going to be mine now. Because yeah. I still have a lot of the photos from that issue at my mom's house in a box because I obviously tore it apart mm-hmm. and put it on the wall. But um. So that Transworld was your first skate? It was, yeah, yeah. So that was the first one. And then we got Thrashers soon after that. Yeah, so we, we just had all of them. It was just get your hands on anything that had skateboarding in it. And did you BMX or had you already started skating by then? Yeah, so we always, as kids, you always had bicycles. It was like the big Christmas present. So we always had bicycles, and we were into BMX, but we didn't BMX. Like, yeah, yeah. I liked the nice bikes with you the mags and stuff, yeah. but I, I was doing an endo, and that was about as far as I went. <laughs> and yeah. then skateboarding took over after that, but we still always had just bikes to ride around, but didn't do freestyle biking or nothing. What was your first memory of skateboarding? I've thought about this sometimes, and I've tried to figure out... I think it was just the classic, my friend down the street had a board. His brother got a board and just got us... Oh, you know what? Fuck that. My first introduction to skateboarding was there was a concrete skate park in Florence, which later I found in an old skateboarder magazine. I remember going to the skate park with my brother and sister, but I was only like five years old. And they, um, my mom or somebody dropped them off, and I went into the whatever the entryway, the skate shop part, and there were just like helmets lining the whole top of the wall or whatever. And I was like, whoa. But I think I was just like a dipshit kid and didn't go any further as like wanting to go check it out or whatever. But that was super cool to kind of go to find that memory like later in life. And like, oh yeah, I went to the old skate park and there were ruins of it. It got torn down pretty soon after that. But there were ruins of it in the woods, you know, growing up through the years. And we would go try to skate it, but it was just like a bank and a little bit of bottom and then it went into the woods. But they just recently finally bulldozed the whole field and there's nothing left. But when I started at skate, when I found looked through some old skateboarders, I found the Wizard Skate Park. That's fucking cool. Did you work at a shop or anything, or was your first 
entry into the industry with your internship at skateboarder? I never worked at a shop. The only shop in town was Salty's Surf Shop, which was a skate shop, surf shop, or whatever. But for some reason, I never tried to work there. Is surfing big in South Carolina? <laughs> like, I, I, like <laughs> yeah. That's so, like out of my purview but like what's crazy is surfing is not big in South Carolina at all I mean there are people that do surf and the waves are awful I don't know how they do it but to have a surf shop in Florence which was an hour away from the beach seemed very odd but I mean they were called a surf shop but they sold a lot of surf clothes and skate stuff so they, they well, got like a lifestyle yeah lifestyle it was a lifestyle and that's the 80s yeah that's the 80s I mean that makes sense and they're still me. around now which is awesome I would just when I went home in June I went by same guy owns it Joe he wasn't there or whatever, but I went to say what's up to him because, like, it's crazy to go back in. It's not the same building or whatever, but it's still just crazy to go into Saudi's yeah, that's, skate shop. Yeah, anything that lasts that long, like... Yeah, maybe. it's like an institution in Florence where I'm from. Like, everybody knows about it. So you worked at a record store, but then, like, what, what brought you out west to, like, try to pursue the dream like were you really into photography prior to that or was that i'd wish i'd gotten into photography earlier in life like in high school what sucks is i don't have any none of my friends took photos we might have had some snap cameras snapshot cameras but i've missed out on shooting skateboarding and just life in general at that time and uh, so i got into photography super hardcore like right after high school i really wanted to get into shooting photos just everything not skating but just skateboarding and everything pretty much i wanted to document our lives i was like we need to document our lives we're young blah 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 and Were you in a band at that point? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so right after high school, I got into a hardcore band with my friend Evan and a couple of other guys. They, Some of the guys skated. All the skaters and punks were all part of the same kind of crew yeah. and went to the same yeah. things. Looking out like for everywhere. each other. Like, especially in South Carolina, was there a big white pride there violent sect or anything? Not that I remember. I don't think there was. I don't remember any, like, Nazis or anything like that crazy. Well, that's good. I know, that's good. That's good. I don't remember that shit. Um... What was it, college? Got into photography, started taking art classes, and I went to a small school in Florence called Francis Marion University, so the art program was not very big, and I majored in photography, and that meant I just had to take three photo classes, which is pretty crazy to like, major in it. Four years? Mm-hmm. Oh, damn. Well, I know, there might have been more, but but you had to take drawing and painting, in which I was like, holy shit, I didn't know I could, I didn't think I could do that, but it turns out like I had fun with it and could get by drawing and painting and stuff. But I did that, and I was just, that whole time in college, I never knew what I was gonna do with my life. I was like, I don't I don't know, I mean, it'd be cool to go to California and be in the skate industry somehow and get in there somehow, but that seemed like a far off dream. And what at that year time. is this, like 95, 96? Yeah, so it was 95, 96. I graduated in 97, moved to Columbia, South Carolina. There, the record store I worked at had a same store in Columbia. So I just transferred there, moved there with a bunch of friends and got into the Columbia skate scene, which I'd gone to Columbia through the years to skate, but to live there and skate with all those dudes was super cool. And I definitely got better because better spots, they had a foundation spot where you could go and skate, but there's just more shit to skate. There was nothing to skate in Florence. How much like high fidelity is working at a record store back then? <laughs> it was that that was amazing. Yeah, dealing with customers is the most insane thing in the world. I couldn't imagine being a waiter or something, having to deal with people with food, how specific people are with oh, their yeah. food or whatever, because people with their music are fucking asshole maniacs. And I still to this day, when I um like on Facebook, if a guy I used to work with or whatever has a birthday, I'll say like, yo, happy birthday. Yo, what dropped? What dropped today or whatever? Because that's what people used to come in and just say all the time. Well, yo, what dropped today? What came out today? 
just like it's not out enough go look there's a whole new rack right there it says new releases go look but yeah it was insane dealing with those people definitely got a crazy person calling some woman called and just was like breathing heavy on the phone one time this wasn't a crazy customer but just funny like you pick up the phone and some woman's like breathing all heavy and possibly masturbating or whatever she's doing <laughs> on the other end i was like well that's pretty crazy but crazy customers i don't there were so many what like what did finally push you out west and how did you get the, the internship at skateboarder when i was living in columbia i'd graduated i wasn't doing anything in my life i was just working at the record stores like hey i'm fucking i'm done with school just want to hang out with my friends and work and i'd kind of wanted to somehow get to california i was like It'd be cool to go to California and try try to get in there. Like I don't know how or what or why or who. Yeah, I would. Been out here before? Like did you I know driven, anybody? No, I know I knew no one. Like I know your band. Like they did like crazy tours up through like Oregon and everything. Yeah. Right? So me and my buddy Evan, I told you we we drove through we drove around country just by ourselves one year. The next year our band came through California. So I'd been out here and kind of knew this area somewhat. Yeah. Like I, we were like movie freaks. So like I had this vision of what it was like out in the West or whatever. So it was super cool to kind of be in the middle of it. We went to EMB San Francisco for the first time in 95 or 96. I did not give up. There was nobody there skating. But I did 20 minutes after getting into San Francisco. We park, walk down the street, and Tommy Guerrero walked by us. And I was like, holy shit. Tommy Guerrero. The so when I, I got a picture. I got a picture with him. I ran into him too. Did you? Yeah, he was just like pushing down the street in his leather jacket. And I was like, holy shit. Did you say what's up to him? No. <laughs> oh, I stopped his ass. I, I love. I got a. I got a picture with him. I still have it to this day. And at a trade show recently, I got a picture with him again, trying to make the same face because I looked super crazy in the photo. I was like, hey, man, woo! He's probably like this fucking redneck. He fucking better get the fuck off me. Has been in a car for years. <laughs> yeah, he stinks. I know. Who the fuck are you? So yeah, been out here a couple of times. Anyway, um, ninety. This is like ninety nine. My dad had got um diagnosed with cancer in November or December of 1998 so I moved back to Florence and stayed and worked in Florence and kind of stayed with him for like the next three months or so and that he he went pretty fast and like by March of 1999 he passed away but before that when I was staying at his house I showed him a skate video that we had made in Columbia when I was hanging out with all those dudes and I had a part and it was like probably the best skating I'd done at the time and he was like blown away by it. He was, cause he, he'd see me skating in the driveway, right. know, just dorking around and not landing stuff or whatever. This is the best representation. Yeah, so this time. is the best, everything's cut down. And so for someone that he doesn't know about skate videos, you know, you're just putting your best on there. And he saw it and was like, wow. Like he was always pretty tough kind of guy. So I didn't think he would give yeah. a shit about the skating. Yeah, he was skating. Vietnam vet, right? Yeah, Vietnam vet, like, silver was, star. He was in the shit. He was in the shit, for real, he was in the shit. He did this about my punk band too. I let him listen to my punk band one time and he was like, wow, that sounds really good. And you know, I was like, we're just screaming like a bunch of assholes, but you like it really? Just cause it was good production yeah, yeah. value, you know? Like, so I was like, that's awesome. I thought he'd be like, that is shit. Cause this goes back to me, I'm gonna sidestep this story. <laughs> cause I had the Sonic U sticker on my car. The, um, the one with the guy and the girl in the car. Yeah, it's yeah. just like black and white. I had that sticker on my car that he bought me and he saw it and goes hey take that sticker off your car I was like what are you talking about and he's like take that 
sticker of the two guys off your car. I was like, it's not two guys, Dad. It's a guy and a girl. The girl's got a short haircut. He's like, take it off. And I was like, holy shit. All right. <laughs> it's like <laughs> yeah. random homophobic. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, Dad, what are you talking they about? They look a little. They look a little. And maybe he was just more homogenous. Yeah, he was probably more worried about what people would think. Yeah, he was an awesome dad. And like, he was not that bad about stuff like that. But that was a one time. So like, when I let him listen to my band, I was like, holy shit. I can't believe you like that. And then when I let him see the video part, he was like super excited. He's like, "Wow, that's really good!" Not like I knew it wasn't like professional level good. But he's like, "Why don't you do something with that?" Because he had just paid for my college, and I'm mm-hmm. living working at a record store. He's like, "What the hell did I just pay for?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, what are you doing with your life? What? Is, my anyway, artist son. yeah, my artist son freeloading. I just want to risk my life. Yeah, I'm like, okay. God. Yeah. So I told him, I want to try to go to California and make it or whatever. He's like, well, go do it. And I'll go. He goes, why don't you do it? And I was like, I don't know. I'm scared. Like, I'm scared to leave everything. And he just told me, like, just how are you ever going to know if you don't ever go try and do it? And I was like, holy shit. All right. That's pretty heavy. But, you know, I didn't think of it as an inspirational speech at the time. But later in life, and especially after I came out, it made more sense. But um, he passed away in March of 99. I moved back to Columbia, stayed there, skated through the summer. And was trying to plan to go to California. I had a friend that was going to go with me. And last second, he uh, bailed and went into the Marines. Which oh, ended yeah. yeah, Jeremy. That's a hard deal. <laughs> yeah, super hard. Anyway, he moved out. <laughs> it's he, a hard he, pass. Yeah, super hard. California sounds cool. I'm going to go to Marines. <laughs> I was like, holy shit, are you serious, dude? Anyway, he went into the Marines and eventually ended up in Camp Pendleton. And we still got to hang out and skate, which was cool. But one of my roommates at the time was like, I'll go with you. I mean, I don't care. Like, he wasn't a skater, but he was like, I'll go fucking try it with you. So we fucking, we just set a date, came out. I did have a friend from elementary school, which I hadn't seen in years, but I'd randomly ran into him over the past few years. And he'd been living in L.A. trying to be an actor and all this. And he's always like, yeah, come out whenever, come out whenever. So I called him and told him I was coming just to have some sort of destination, some sort of yeah. somewhere to go, even like it. And he was awesome. He was always cool as, as kids or whatever. But um, so that was our like destination was to get to Hollywood and call Corey, <laughs> Corey up and go to his house. And he made it as an actor. And he, made, uh, <laughs> he had a bit role in a movie called Traffic. He's the guy that dies from the cocaine overdose. <laughs> It's something. He definitely he ran that, which was pretty cool. You may know me from such roles as as <laughs> we did get to go on the audition. He auditioned for sixty seconds, going in sixty seconds. Oh shit! Yeah, and so we got we used to go on auditions with him and just go watch and sit or whatever in the in the waiting rooms, and it was so insane. But anyway, we got to his. He was like our destination. We got to California, stayed with him on his couch for a few weeks. He helped us find one of his friends had an apartment that she knew was open at her spot. So we got into an apartment within a few weeks of my dad passed away. So I had some money from him that really, really helped out. That's what was crazy about the whole situation is having that money. I mean, it wasn't that much, but I got a new car. Like I bought a used minivan. So I got that and came out with that. So I packed up everything in the minivan and came out. It It was a 96, so it lasted for 15 years. But yeah, so we had a spot within a few weeks. Oh, the first day I came to California, which was pretty cool, was we're driving around L.A. looking around at spots, or just L.A. in general, but finding, looking at skate spots. And we drove by Wilshire, which is now Jaquan, is where mm-hmm. it was becoming beneficial on Wilshire. And I saw Eric Costin skating. 
And I was like, holy shit, there's Eric Costin. The first day we're in there, I'm like, there's Eric Costin. That's fucking crazy. And he's wearing red shoes or whatever. We just creeped. I think we rode by real <laughs> slow and looked at him and kept driving. The footage that we saw that day was in Minik Mani. It's when he's dorking around. Oh, shit. And he's got the red Costin 1s, I think, or Costin 2s. And um, I was like, holy shit, that's the day we saw him. That's heavy. So that was super cool. But um, so we're in California. We're staying at a friend's house. He got us an apartment. We got hooked up with that. Um, my friend found a job at a record store right away. I can't remember what I did for a little bit, but uh, Skateboarder Magazine was the only magazine that had email addresses in it, oh, like yeah. Transworld, Thrasher. None of them had any kind of contact back then, information that you could directly contact. But like Skateboarder was like Aaron Mesa, A Mesa at whatever back then. So I went down to the local library where we used to have to use the computer, log on to my Hotmail. <laughs> And I sent him an email about interning, but in the subject line, I did a line from Future Primitive, which is the first video I ever saw. I was like, hey, keep the damn raccoon out of my truck, please, in the subject line. Nothing about internship, nothing. I was like, this is going to grab his eye, and out of all a sea of emails, he's going to read this one, because I know he's got to be an older dude. And he hit me back right away. He gave me a phone call later that day and said, hey, can you come down? Same to- day? I think it was same day or next day. It was super quick. I was just like, and this was like a month or two after being in California. And he hit me back and was like, hey, can you, we're in Dana a point can you drive down here and check it out and we'll see what we can do and i was like uh yeah i got nothing going on right now i can uh, i got plenty yeah, of time I'll, I'll free up my schedule. <laughs> yeah. i'm good to go so it was on from like that email i should have I, I wonder if i still have it somehow or saved it because that email is the catalyst for everything that's happened to me in california like getting email on that and getting a response that was the door into everything that happened what were you doing like early on did you, you went in and you just like hung oh, out yeah. to make sure that they could handle you and then yeah well what was awesome was the very first time i went down there i'm sitting in the waiting room or whatever and aaron comes around did got you like have a, any idea who he was really before no that, when i knew his name i i knew i'd seen his name <clears throat> in skate videos and stuff what was it? Oh, yeah, Mesa came around the corner, and he's such a magnetic personality. He came around smiling, and it just, like, made me feel super calm and at ease or whatever. Like, hey, yeah. what's up, man? I was like, oh, man, this is awesome. And he's just a skater, so it's just yeah. Like, oh, yeah. He's he's you're, a filmer. You're a yeah, you're a dude. What's up? How you doing? I'm in a building full of surfers and shit. Come on in. Hang out. <laughs> but, yeah, I just came down, and I hung out, and I don't even remember what I did the first day. Probably nothing. I might have scanned some stuff or whatever. It was it was the mellowest internship ever because I didn't really do too much. I just hung out with them. But the cool thing was they were having a company party a few weeks later in L.A. at some, like, swanky club. This is when business was booming for the company and for magazines at that time. And, and there was, skateboarding. And skateboarding and everything. So there was, like, a... With the company Fred that owned Durst them. Fred Durst is out there wearing <laughs> puffy shoes, <laughs> yeah. making everybody a shitload of money. Yeah. Filming videos at the... What is it? Skate Lab? Yeah. Yeah, so they had the company party, and that's where I met uh, Mike Ballard, the photo editor at Skateboarder at the time. And from there, it kind of, like, took off, too. He was, he was like, what? what's your deal, dude? What's up? What are you doing? I was like, yeah, I shoot photos. I want to learn about skate photography and just whatever I can. He's like, okay, okay. And boom, from there, like, he took me under his wing like a little, like his son <laughs> or whatever, and, like, called me up. I would go meet him every day. I would get to go ride with him to go shoot photos. He would have sessions with dudes. He would introduce me to everybody from Rob Deerdick to freaking uh, Scott Johnson to all everybody in LA that lived in LA he knew everybody and I was just in his car at all times like holy shit that's so and so whoa that, whoa, that's so and so that's Jason Deal whoa that's so like Keith Huffnagel like it was is this like everything from street sessions to like yeah all the way down to, we went and shot Tony Hawk like 
and he gave me a camera, like an old FM2 with a fisheye. While he's shooting Tony Hawk, I was trying to shoot photos. And so I'm like having the best time of my life shooting Tony Hawk. He's like doing inverts right in front of me. This is a few months. This, so this is like a few months into 2000. Shooting photos of him and um, get to back to the car and I open up the camera. Or what was it? I went to go pull the film out. And I never had um, connected it to the other side, the other spool. So I had I shot zero photos. So that was pretty awesome. I was like, I just had a session with uh, Tony Hogg while you know he was shooting with him. But this is a big vert ramp. You can get all over and get different shots. And I blew it. And I was like, fuck, fuck. <laughs> but um, he was uh, Ballard was super awesome with taking me out, showing me everything, and always trying to find a way for me to get paid. Trying to find me paying gigs somehow. Ads and stuff. Well, like there's a. Um, on the 405, there's a fun park right before you get to Santa Ana Airport, that fun park on the left. Right? Oh, yeah. That used to have a skate park. And so when they first opened the skate park, he scored it to where I got to go shoot the opening day. They wanted somebody to come shoot the opening day. Tony Hawk and Bucky Lassett. I'm not Tony Hawk. Um, Danny Way and Bucky Lassett were going to come and skate. I had pretty much no photography experience as far as shooting a professional or whatever. But he was like, go in there, dude. They'll pay 500 bucks. You give them the film, you're done. So I went in there. My first paid gig as a photographer was shooting Danny Way and Bucky Lassick at some shitty, like, genetic... It's a boomer's now. It's a boomer's now, yeah. And what sucks is I shot it and I got paid, but I gave them the film. I never got it developed. Oh, so you don't have any... I have no photos from it, and I've... I went back by there a few years later and I was like, hey, can I speak to the manager? I wanted to see if, like, do you guys have photos just laying around? Did you ever get, like... Do you have, like, a film archive machine? <laughs> just by chance, does this fun park have a film archive? But, yeah, I was, like, so blown. I never knew how the photos turned out or whatever, but... Or what they did with them or Yeah, anything. or what they never did anything. I was like, God damn it. Like, looking back, I was like, fuck, it'd be cool to have some photos from that session, like, your first paid gig. But it just resurfaced on a t-shirt in Japan. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be awesome. That would be so cool to see that. <laughs> I remember you always talking about the Big Brother office. At some point, Skateboarder was pretty close mm-hmm. to that. Like, when did that, like, when did the move to L.A.? Yeah, so Ballard, Aaron, and uh, Chris Yormick, the art director at the time, all lived in L.A., and so they were commuting to Dana Point for that office. The company that owned Skateboarder at the time had a building in L.A., so they got it to where they finally talked them into letting them have a satellite office. Yeah, I was still living in L.A., but this is where it kind of takes a little turn for a little bit is where Ballard was helping me try to get paid gigs. He's like, hey, Jeff Tremaine and the guys at Big Brother are filming oh, yeah. this pilot for a TV show called Jackass. I'm going to go out with them on Saturday. Since you got a van, do you want to come and help drive? us around or whatever i'm gonna help him film yeah i got nothing else to do bro let's do it yeah whatever that's cool had you seen like big brother videos yeah i've seen big brothers and stuff this is this is scary part is like dimitri came off like almost like an asshole in those videos and jeff Tremaine when he was being interviewed by the uh, news people about the kids issue or whatever like seems super rigid and tough and i was like super intimidated by him but i get there they are so fucking awesome they're super rad super nice super just like yeah dude we're gonna have fun and i was like oh man this is fucking cool and Knoxville Johnny Knoxville had recently sprained his ankle so he was like had a cast on his foot and we were trying to film skits so this is like May of 2000 the first day we go film a jackass Ballard has like a big blowout argument with Jeff Tremaine storms off leaves I'm just there with the jackass dudes in my van and Jeff's like I guess we we need a cameraman now you you want to film you got a car he's like you down to help us I was like um yeah I'm down you know like no I don't like- yeah, I don't know. You can afford me. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I'm down. Because the more inexperienced 
the better they like you because <laughs> that's the whole premise of the thing. It's just a bunch of idiots making a TV show and getting it put on the TV was like, I feel like the goal. Anyway, so somehow I just fell face first in the filming for Jackass, which obviously hadn't come on the air yet or whatever, but these guys were still like superstars in my eyes because they were all the big brother dudes. And so the whole summer of 2000, I filmed the Jackass first season. Like flew to Pennsylvania. We hung out with Bam, stayed with his family, filmed Ryan Dunn, like jump in a, a sewage plant right, you know, as soon as we got to Bam's house, like, all right, let's go. And we filmed him jumping a fucking sewage plant. So I did all of that all summer 2000. While when I was back in town, I would go intern at Skateboarder and hang out with Mesa and stuff and still get to go skate with Ballard. You know, he would take me under his wings and stuff. And so by the fall of 2000, we'd filmed the show, the first season. Ballard took me on a, and this is where we turn another, <laughs> turn another avenue. Ballard takes me to a session at the Wilshire 15. Andrew Reynolds wants to frontside flip the Wilshire 15. You want to come help me shoot this? Yes, this is fucking awesome. Okay, yeah, no problem. All right. Yeah. I guess. Okay, whatever. So we go and shoot Andrew Reynolds. He shoots long lens. I shoot fisheye. We shoot Andrew Reynolds frontside flip Wilshire 15. I'm like hanging out with Andrew Reynolds. We're at the wheel. I'm just like, I'm in a daze. This this that whole year. I'm I'm still in a daze at this moment. Like I still trip out that where I'm at and what I've got to do in skating. So yeah, we do that. I go home. Whatever, go back to work at Jackass, blah, blah, blah. A few weeks later, Ballard calls me up and it's like, I'd worked my way up to associate producer on Jackass. So things were going good there. Jesus. Yeah, like I was like cutting shows and like directing like what shot would go where. It was awesome. Like that crew, that was like one of the... Like, How much video editing? Like, did, I had the log here? tape. I had the log, the living shit out of tapes, which sucked. And this is, this is, I'm going to fast forward a little bit. Like I left Jackass before the first season really took off. So I never got to experience the fame right, that they, right. you know, being on tour with them or whatever. So like <laughs> I, everything I did with Jackass was all before they, it, the show blew up and they got famous. And I was like, so it was just like, it would have been sick to like feel what that felt like to go out with them or whatever. So yeah, so I quit. Is that a regret or is it Not a regret. Like, I bet I saved myself some, Yeah, something. for sure. Not a re- the only regret is just like, it would have been crazy to be in the middle of the uh, madness when they were like fucking massive. Yeah. But I don't regret kind of leaving because Ballard called me one night and was like, hey, um, I'm going to quit skateboarder as a photo editor and Aaron wants to hire you. I'm like, what's, he wants to hire me? I have no experience whatsoever being a photo editor at a magazine. And he's like, that's all good. He likes you and he just needs somebody in the office that'll be there every day to help him out with stuff. I'm not there all the time and I'm leaving. I'm moving on. But he's going to call you tomorrow and invite you to lunch. I was like, fuck yeah. All right. I'm down. I am down. So I went to, I was like, fucking working in a magazine and at skateboarder magazine. Like, holy shit. So the next day at Jackass, I was like, Jeff, I'm leaving. I'm going to go work for Skateboarder. And I'm thinking in the back of my head, like, fucking MTV shows are fucking here today, gone tomorrow. This one I never last. <laughs> yeah, this one I never last. You know, now, it, you know, 15 years later, it still comes on in the middle of the night, and I still see stuff that I filmed. And I'm like, holy shit, that's gnarly. But it was all good. Yeah, it was all good, too. Like, I still got to help out and film with them here and there for a little while after that. So I went to lunch, or lunch the next day with Aaron and the whole Skateboarder staff. And I was like, hey, what's up? And he, I knew he was going to offer me the job. And he's like, hey, I want to offer you the job of a photo editor. And I was like, fuck yeah, I'll take it. That's amazing. Thank you so much. And he goes, oh yeah, we got this for you too. And pulled out from under the table the cover of Andrew Reynolds, Frontside Flipping, like, Wilshire. Yeah, pro boarded me <laughs> on getting into the fucking job at magazine. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, what the fuck? 
fuck is going on? This is all within a year of moving to California. This is all within a year. Worked on Jackass, like met every pro skater, got to go on all these sessions, got a job at Skateboarder, shot a cover of Andrew Reynolds' Frontside Living Wheelchair 15. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? And a week later, I met my wife. I met Karina a week later. <laughs> it was a good year. It was the best year of all time. Like, and I love that it was 2000, just like, you know, breaking off the last century to the new. And I was just like, holy shit. Welcome to the millennium. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, holy fuck. Yeah, so it was on from there. Like, I was like, what the fuck, dude? This is the craziest shit ever. I'm still in awe. Like, I still trip out. I still feel like an outsider. I still feel like I don't belong in the skate world. Like, I still... I don't think I'm too cool. The, even the young kids that are coming up, I'm like, you're the new kids that are coming up. I'm nobody. I'm just some dipshit from South Carolina. Like, I mean, there's parts of me. It's a little more than that. I know, but I'm just like, you're, I, a, you're a humble guy. Bro. I don't like. You have put in your time. Yeah. You are a, a known and talented entity. <laughs> Thank you, but I don't want to lose that, and I don't feel like I have of being like completely humbled by the whole experience and just like, well, thank you for letting me be a part of this, I guys. Think that's pretty self-evident with like. So you got in at like 99, 2000, 16 years later. You've worked with however many people and to this day I've never heard anybody with a bad thing to say about you. <laughs> That's awesome. So I'm sure they're and like, somebody. This is skateboarding. Everybody's got a bad thing to say about everybody. Yeah. That that says a lot. That's awesome. So, Thank you. But I think it does have a lot to do with that that mentality. It's just like I'm just dude, I'm just happy to be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like if I have if they said you're fired and I had to move back to South Carolina right now, even back then I'd be like, got it, cool, no problem. Thank gravy, you. Yeah, I know it's all gravy. Everything, everything has been fucking amazing. Thank you. I'll go pump gas now yeah, <laughs> and yeah. live a very happy like, life. Like that's how I always felt. I'm like, there's no real reason that I should have been involved whatsoever. But like everything I did, I was like, this is fucking sweet. That's what was cool. Like, skate- let me do this. Yeah, like at skateboarder, we were like a cast of misfits. <laughs> I felt like we all were just like a bunch of dudes. That are like, we got a fucking opportunity to do all this. I can't believe we're fucking doing this. It's insane. So like photo editor and then at skateboarder like yeah. at what point did Mesa start phasing himself out and then like you <laughs> stepped up even I think even when I got to skateboarder, skateboarding in general was doing pretty good, but the magazine was struggling advertising-wise even back then. Things were pretty good, but then things three years later, three, four years later, 2004, things were getting a little sketchy with the magazine. They're like, hey, you know, things were just getting weird. There was some weird stuff at work. I think a lot of those guys got sketched out, and that's when O'Melia and Oliver, who were like gnarly photographers and still to this day gnarly photographers, were at skateboarder. They both got offered jobs at Transworld. So this is after Dave Swift and those guys left to make the skateboard mag. Mm-hmm. So there was like all those dudes left Transworld to make the skateboard mag. And so Skin at Transworld needed to fill right. Transworld. So he got those guys to come over. And so it took from Skateboarder and that really bummed Aaron out, I think. And like I knew those guys, but he had way deeper ties to him or whatever. Yeah, he probably like found them. Yeah, he helped. He got them hooked up and stuff. So that was kind of crazy when they left. So I think he was like, fuck it. You know, I'm, I'm over it. This is... Dude, working at a magazine, you know it. Like, it's insane. The deadlines and stuff, I think, like, <laughs> like he was just probably like, ah, I'm just going to go back over to Girl and uh, work on some videos. I'll see you guys later. <laughs> Had he been there before? Or like- yeah, he was. He filmed. He worked with Girl before he started Skateboarder, which is when you think about it, it's like, he was a filmer. That's so crazy. Yeah. A filmer was the editor of a magazine, you know what I mean? Like, it also, it, it's also, like, explains why it was, like, more varied. Yeah, it was so different and cool and awesome. Like, he was definitely, like... I learned a lot about quality control and everything from him. And then, yeah, I missed it when he left. I was like, holy shit. 
and Mackenzie left at that time. And so it got down to where it was just me and Donnie Miller, the art director, two people running the magazine. Who's now famous for the Bernie Sanders <laughs> And him doing the 99 cent store on Rodeo oh, yeah. Drive was pretty fucking amazing. <laughs> that was sick. Dude, like, I'm, I don't know. I didn't know his art very much. and Like, I had seen it, and then you, like, had his book in your office, and I was like, this dude's fucking... He's the man. Yeah, he's awesome. <laughs> Donnie was so fucking sick. But yeah, so it was just me and him for like three issues. And then that's, so I was still living in LA at the time, but uh, my wife Karina lived in San Diego. So we moved to Orange County, Dana Point, halfway. I think I was commute. yeah, I was, commu- I commuted from Dana Point to Los Angeles two and a half years every single day, which is fucking insane thinking about it back now looking back were you like super bitter or no not at all i was like so fucking high i'm working ass gay man i don't give a shit (laughs) and i had serious i had a howard stern he was on the radio at the time and then it went to serious radio so i was like i need two hours to drive in so i can listen to howard stern (laughs) i never i never complained a bit i never thought about i never asked for time off to like can i just work four days a week and not have to drive i was like i made the choice to move to orange county so i'm gonna do whatever it takes to get back to work every day um, but yeah, what is it? So we're 2004-ish. Those guys quit. We moved to uh, we moved the office to Dana Point. Back they wanted skateboarder to be back with the whole group at the time with Surfer yeah, yeah. and all that. After that kind of exodus. Yeah, they were like, we need to keep a track of this, and um, yeah, and that's when. So I was just doing the magazine, but I didn't want to, not that I was going to be, we were looking for an editor the whole time. And that's when uh, Brian Peach came down from SBC, who is super awesome and a good guy. He came down and really helped us stabilize everything. And see, even at that time, like they made it sound like the sky was falling, but we stuck around and kept going from there. So Brian Peach came along and then you came along soon after that. Yeah, I was I was in right after he left, I think, and then Sullivan left. But we had we had a good run there for a minute, and then mm-hmm. you know, and like how how hard did it hit you when skateboarder was done? That was real. It was real hard and real emotional because obviously I'd been there for so long. Yeah, and tried super like it it sucks to put a lot of heart and soul into something like that and to see it not work when you know like what you, you know mean, what you're doing is you know good. what you're doing is good and you hear people say like hey we like it we like it you know it's like and then every you, point they're like well we don't have any money for it <laughs> yeah, we don't have any money to advertise but i mean you guys are telling you, that's cool we, we like it yeah but i think what was super hard about it was just that whole process to where I had to let you guys go, like switch it up. So when we went bi-monthly, we got that whole like, hey, things are shit, and you know, shit in the bed. We got to change things up. We got to go bi-monthly, oversized, got to blow people away. And then when it came down to going, getting rid of print and going digital, that was the most stressful time of my life. My mother-in-law was living with us at the time, had just come in and was living oh, on our couch. Yeah, so I'm going through <laughs> like the kind mo- of like the yeah. opposite of when you moved out. But yeah. Everything was going great. I know everything's going great. So I got the whole magazine, everything I put my heart and soul into is like falling apart and they want us to make a digital magazine and then I'm stressing the fuck out we're like having to cut people work with this small crew mother-in-law living on the couch like coming home every day and I'm like oh my god oh my god but then when we finally got it going I was pretty excited about what we were doing and it would have went kept going but the our company that owns skateboarder 
bought Transworld, you know, that same time frame that we were going digital. So they were like, let's just cut our losses with this, trying to make this thing work and just put everything in Transworld. So that was super hard to see it go or whatever, but there was like a, there was a selfish part of it to me at the time too. It was like, I never wanted to leave and see somebody else come in and do something with it or do something bad or take it and make it bad or worse or actually make it better and make me look way worse, you know? So I was like, it's like, I wanted to go down with the ship, you know, it's like, yeah. I wanted to go down to the very end, like keep fighting and trying, like doing what I thought was right. So it was, it was real hard and that, that was really tough on me or whatever. Like Karina, my wife would tell you like, She'd never seen me so low in my in the time I've ever known her. I've always been like happy go lucky kind of guy. Yeah, I mean, like, that's understandable. Like, yeah, if you had what was it, 12, 14 years? Yeah, I think that? thirteen. Yeah, I think it was two thousand thirteen. So thirteen years, of working there, and I was like, holy shit. I've never done anything besides skateboarding. So like, <laughs> yeah. if somebody was just like, you can't do that anymore. Yeah, what do you mean? I know. Why not? I can't come in here. But that's where again. Fucking my lucky, lucky fucking ass, which I don't know how. I always think it's like, it's my dad looking after me or something. Because everything, how horrible that was at him passing away, life has been pretty fucking sweet. And I feel like I don't know if he's looking after me or whatever. Skateboarder goes down. The editor Transworld left like a few months before that. So they were in the process of looking for an editor. And I was like, well, I guess I can try to go there if they'll have me and if I can get in there. And that all worked out. And so I just, I never skipped a beat. I never was not working. I went straight from finishing out Skateboarder, like after the last issue went down, like we just had to come into work and just make sure the website was still going to fulfill for advertisers and stuff. And I just had a start date at Transworld and just kind of moved my stuff down. And there was, which is that's like a nice little transition because you went on that like Vulcan trip pretty much. Yeah, that was like right as we found out. Uh, skateboarder was done so I was like oh shit I'm gonna go have a fucking awesome time with fucking Grant Taylor and Montana and Montana and Colin Provost and those dudes I was like that was an epic epic trip to go on at that time too um but what's kind of crazy is I'm like I worked that job for 13 years and knowing that, you know, after they told us it was going down, there was still like two months of where they were like, you know, we're still pay you for two months mm-hmm. and then it's over. So I was like looking, I was kind of looking forward to like, you know what, all right, I don't want to stress right now. I want to go just take a break. I want to take six months off maybe and just kind of get my head straight or whatever. But no, like, I, you know, I got a family and stuff and I got to make sure I have an income coming in. So I really went hard for the transworld job. And so I went straight into that. So there was like no time to grieve or really look back on I've really thought about that i was like two years deep in the trans world and i was like i never wait what the fuck skateboard wait like what the fuck just happened like i have it like i was going so fast and like pedal to the metal like trying to get in the groove over there that i never got to stop and go holy shit skateboarder's gone like i never got to like really you know i don't know say goodbye or or do something but i was like never left man yeah never left yeah so i was just like holy shit this is crazy man like this path this california thing is pretty crazy it's been working out so that's why again i'm like take it away i'm all good i'll go home it's funny because like some people it just works like that they move out here and they love it and shit works and then other people like i I think it's like your attitude when you come out here because 
I've met photographers or filmers or, or, or skaters, and they're just like, nah, Cali fucking sucks. I know, I hate, yeah. The industry sucks, and I'm like... Yeah. I mean, the industry is very at the wills of 13-year-old boys, so there are a lot of shitty things, but if you're, like, involved, it doesn't suck. Like, it's yeah. fucking great. For the most part, you get to skate at lunch, and, like, there's all these perks that, you like, no one else in the fucking world yeah. gets to deal with. Like, pretty sweet. I always think of that too and I'm always like you know what I bet that the insurance industry sucks too to those guys that work in that that are fucking pissed at people talking shit and the advertisers suck or whatever I'm like everywhere sucks you know like as far as the business side of things so being able to have skateboarding and being able to skate all the time yeah it's like the hardest thing you have to deal with is trying to get like Mike Carroll on the phone or something it's like well it means shoveling shit as far as I can tell. As far as I can tell. Exactly. Yeah. All you got to do is pull back, like pull your head up, pull back, get that wide view and go, oh yeah, it's just skateboarding. Like fucking, it's not rocket science. I'm not trying to like cure cancer. I can deal. I can deal with the craziness. Is there a big difference in skateboarder and trans world or is it kind of just like... Well, it's all the same. Like what's crazy is I'm still working with the same production people from skateboarder, same mother company. And just working with a whole new set of dudes that are awesome and super good and like it's just bigger. We were a small crew at skateboarder. Like this is actually like you know, yeah. annual video. There's like seven people in the office. Like it's crazy. The award show. The award show is crazy. I don't like. Yeah, you guys actually have to just like, hey, we should do that. I know no, now. We now don't have anybody. Yeah, I know now. Thinking back, it's like we were making a zine. You know, that's all we were doing. <laughs> making a magazine. We didn't have events of crazy events or anything big. I mean, we were trying. We were trying. We tried, but it just never could come about. So. So it's just cool to kind of be in a bigger thing of more stuff going on, but like that's also occur. Like there's a lot of shit going on, but we got a bunch of people that help on all fronts, so it's awesome. Well, how'd you get your girls in the skate? That's the thing. I did the classic when they were young, like two, three, four years old. I definitely got them skateboards and wanted them to skate, and they would kind of roll around here and there. And then I realized that they didn't really want to skate. You know, I could obviously tell the boards never got taken out of the garage when I wasn't around or whatever. And I realized that they didn't want to skate, so I stopped pushing it for a long time. But what I owe it all to Karina, my wife. She really got Grace, my youngest daughter, kind of more interested in it. Like, she actually got out and rode on the skateboard and got them all psyched, and she made it almost like a competition with her, because my youngest is real competitive. And she would... um. Well, that's what all about. It's all about. It's competition. We're going to the Olympics. 2020, baby. Tokyo. But I got the best Father's Day gift ever. Last Father's Day, she gave me a video or whatever, and we started watching it. And it's like, it's a quote from my daughter, like, hey, daddy, I want to learn how to skate and make you proud or something like that. And I was like, oh, that's cute. And then it cuts to her at Sheckler Skate Park with um, Shane Sheckler. His brother has a skate camp there or whatever. They have been going for a month without me knowing and her taking skate lessons and like him holding her hands and dropping in and going around and I was like bawling. I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. My buddy Evan was here too. And he was like, what the fuck? I was like, oh my God, this is insane. And so I was blown away by that. And she learned how to drop in on a five foot. She would go once a week. But after that, like, I realized I got super jazzed on it, but I realized that she didn't really want to skate besides those, like, that routine of going on the Fridays. And I was like, I don't think she really likes it. She just is kind of competitive and wants to, you know, do it. And it's part of a routine right now. So I kind of like was super excited again and tried to get her to skate all the time. But I was getting real frustrated because she blow me off like, no, nah, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And I was like, I realized how mad I would get. So I was like, I have to <laughs> calm down and just let it just act like she doesn't skate anymore. But I'm like, she drops in on five foots. Like, I don't want to let that go. Yeah. If she just sucked and, you know, just like couldn't do it as a kid, I'd be like, all right, let's walk away. Walk away. Because my oldest daughter, Chloe, 
was like, Dad, I, I don't I don't like skating. I, I don't want to do it. And I was like, thank you for being honest. Like she is like she lifted the giant weight off her shoulder. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to be a skater, Dad. You're going to have to accept me for who I am. I'm like, all right. But if Grace, she's still like, so her new thing is she learned how to surf last weekend. So hopefully, even you know, if she's a surfer, I'll be psyched. You know, like I'm still psyched that she dropped in on a five foot. If she never stepped on the skateboard again, I'd be like, you dropped in on a five foot at seven yeah. years old. That's pretty fucking awesome. I had to do that till 14. Yeah. 15. I was like, grown men are scared to do that you're fucking gnarly girl yeah so I'm I don't push them but when they start doing it I'm like I know you got the potential I want to see you keep it but it's like I don't want to be those dads that are fucking overbearing and yeah doing it you know I don't do you that. want it to be for the right reasons you don't want to be like look I doubt you even could anymore. yeah <laughs> I want it I want it to kind of fade away and maybe like when she's a teenager or something just come back and like she wants to do it herself yeah, that would be the best upon your record collection yeah out of nowhere she's like what are you doing in the driveway I know it's like I want to I remember I skated and started doing it so that would be the best but if she doesn't that's fine but if she does it's cool I just want them to be good at something and have interest in things. Like my other daughter, like loves reading Harry Potter books and just reading and playing the piano, playing the piano and stuff. So I'm like, just I'm proud of that. Just like do your own thing, be yourself. Don't make Daddy force his life on you <laughs> too much. I'm gonna keep going doing yeah. it, but don't you know? I try to tell them that too. Like don't be be weird. Like it's okay to be weird. They'll call me a weirdo, and I'm like, thank you. I like being a weirdo. I don't want to be normal. <laughs> Just to try Have to put some of that. They're terrible. <laughs> They're terrible people. Terrible. <laughs> They're boring. Do something cool. Well, after all the years as a skate editor and being in the industry, what's like the biggest thing you've learned, or like what what advice would you give to like somebody who's trying to come out and make it at any level? Um, I think it's all about having a positive attitude and meeting the right people. It had nothing to do with my skill level or what the hell I knew, but it was who I knew, who I linked up with, and who I showed that I was a hard worker and a funny fucking dude. Yeah, like my uh, degree from college had no aspect on me getting my job and being in the career I'm at. It does help out that I got a career in photography <laughs> so that the little school that I went to, they're very proud of me and like to tout <laughs> that, that I graduated from their school and got, you know, got a job in the industry of photography after going to their little we program. Got we got one, yeah, which is awesome. I love it. I love, like, I'm stoked for that or whatever. But yeah, just for people coming out, man, like it's all meeting the right people, not being a douchebag working hard doing whatever and having no ego and down to do whatever and you know intern for four years whatever get coffee for two years whatever like i think if you just work hard have a good work ethic and are a good person you'll make something and if you don't fuck it you try that's that was my whole thing of coming to california i'm gonna go out there and give it a shot i'm trying to stay a year or two you know i had like a time frame of that i was like even if i don't make it fuck it i'll come back to south carolina try to go to graduate school for photography or be a teacher or something I seriously I, whenever I think about what I would have done if it didn't work out out here I, I freak the fuck out I'm like oh my god what the fuck would I be doing so that's kind of trippy to think about and I got lucky so hopefully everybody else can get lucky <laughs> here's hoping here's the hoping <laughs> well, cool man thanks a lot yeah you're welcome
right, that's that for the Jamie Owens episode. Uh, sorry about the audio again. That's the last one I recorded without getting actual mics, so um, it'll be better from here on out, hopefully. And I'll just start learning how to fine-tune the mix-downs and that kind of shit because I don't know what I'm doing. But we'll figure it out. Thanks again for checking it out. Uh, tell your friends, subscribe, follow, tweet, tumble, whatever. Whatever format you can share it, please do. And see you next time.